Hello. Oh, yay, it works. So, hello, everybody. Welcome to our Class Act panel. Um, basically, we're going to talk about being Class Act in Cambridge, some struggles people have had, how kind of advice overcoming Cambridge culture and stuff like that. The way this is going to work is that we're going to have half an hour where we're just going to have a bit of a chat and then half an hour for you guys to ask any questions that you have, um, if that's all good. So, today, we have... Three lovely people who are involved in various class act campaigns throughout Cambridge. Uh, we have Jez Brown, who is the Learning and Development Director for the 93% Foundation at Cambridge. We have Dr. Sean Holden, who is the Director of Studies for Computer Science at Trinity. And we also have Fatima Sara Youssef, who is a second year HSPSA at Lucy Cavendish. So if you guys can just go around, introduce yourself, maybe say a little bit about your experience as Class Act and involving in Class Act at Cambridge. Is that good? Yeah, hello everyone. Um, I'm Jez. Uh, I guess my Class Act credentials, um, very much first gen. Um, my uh, my mum didn't finish high school, so, you know, uh, definitely one of the most educated people sort of in my, uh, from my background. Um, working class, low income and whatnot, ticking off the boxes. Um, in terms of like Class Act activism, I was the Class Act president a little while ago, although for a brief period, I uh, have sort of continued that work uh, with the 93% Foundation, which you should all get involved with. Uh, the club is sort of being uh, um, brought back to life recently in Cambridge, great committee um, for states or students, so I would encourage that you get involved with that. Um, but yeah, I guess I'm, I'm here to talk about, about being Class Act in Cambridge and, and class struggle and whatnot. Uh, very passionate about it as something that we are uh, all have the great fortune of experiencing in a place like this, um, but I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about that more as we go on, so I'll, I'll pass on. Hi, um, I'm Fatima. I'm a second year HSBSA um, at Lucy, and I guess my experience of being class act, like being on preschool meals, that's, that's one. Um, and yeah, just like being working class, being the first in my family to um, be at Russell Group University. Um, I think in terms of like my activism, I guess like being here, <laughs> I'm gonna take that as one. Um, I do like help mentor a lot of people like at my school um, and getting more people to like actually think that Cambridge is like is an option. Cause I feel like for me, that's probably the hardest thing. Like, I was like being at Cambridge, like it's never gonna happen. So I guess kind of like the visibility and like going back to my school and being like, you know, you guys can kind of do it too. Um, so yeah. And I think the main thing that I wanna talk about is probably like class shock. Um, like not realizing that people actually have this much money and like even just kind of like in conversation like cultural capital and all that stuff but um, yeah it'll come up more in the conversation but yeah Hi everyone I'm Sean um, I think I'll, I would like to what my uh, the other panelists have said um, I was grew up in darkest Norfolk in the middle of nowhere um, in an environment that I think would be described as solidly working class um, I was the first person in my family to go to university um, ever. Uh, in fact, I think I can confidently say I was the first person in my family ever to stay in education beyond the age of 16. Um, so, uh, you know, ending up as an academic was, was not uh, really what was expected. Um, I wasn't an undergraduate in Cambridge or Oxford. I actually went to the University of East Anglia because um, at the point I was choosing... Uh, a university to go to, I got a record deal. Um, and uh, when, you're, when you get a record deal at 15, um, the, the choice, do I go to one of the great universities or do I stick around Norwich and try and be a rock star for a few years is a very easy one to make. Um, so I didn't actually come to Cambridge until I was a PhD student and then I was away at University College London as a lecturer for a while and then I came back here. Um, and I've been in Cambridge for about 20 years 20 years now as Dossett Trinity in, in the, the department. Um, now, my, my involvement with Class Act is, is, up until being invited to this, actually quite minimal because uh, I received an invitation um, to, to, to do this panel. Um, so I've just been asking these lovely people what Class Act is, is all about in Cambridge. Um, so the, well, hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll know even more in half an hour's time. Nice. Yeah, I can use this one. It's okay. So, yeah, I mean... Let's talk about Cambridge, and Cambridge is a very, very strange place if you do not have experience of university, if your family does not. So kind of coming to Cambridge, what would you say was kind of the hardest thing as somebody from a class act background or going to university 
as a class act person, what was the hardest thing you had to overcome? Yeah, I guess the uh, the big thing for me is again. I think I'm not to steal what you. I know you're going to want to say, but it's the big thing is about culture shock, right? And um, I see uh, not that we should use a uh, campfest as a source of anything, right? But I see uh, a post on campfest the other day, and someone was like being a bit baity, and they were like, "Oh, how could you not know that people at Cambridge had so much money?" And it's like the thing is, uh, like as much as you know, there are rich people at Cambridge. To actually fathom the amount of money that some people have is actually ridiculous. But it's not just about that, it's just, a, it's about um, how normal it is for people to talk about going on holiday and going skiing. Skiing is the big one, obviously, as we all know. Uh, going to musicals and theater and having singing lessons and all of these things, right? Um, people don't realize how much like wealth very much dictated their lives up until, up until the point, and I guess continuing on um, from where we are now. Um, the big thing for me, I think about, about class and the reason that I'm so, uh, so passionate about it, um, is that I, I often don't think there's really a space to talk about it properly. Um, like, if you try to talk about class properly, um, I feel like everybody, everybody finds themselves feeling like they're under attack, which means that my method, usually, is just to attack them specifically um, in the first place, because they're going to feel the same way about it regardless, right? I've attempted to sort of engage intellectually with people on class before, but I think, that, I think the truth is, I think the reason why it's difficult for a lot of people is... Um, I think it's true to say that if you're from a class act background, your, your journey to Cambridge was harder, your journey in Cambridge was harder, and your journey from Cambridge will continue to be harder. But it's never to suggest that because you weren't class act that your, back, your, your journey here isn't hard. But I think highlighting these things makes people think like you're taking something away from them. Um, to mention that they had a better education or tutoring or money and all of these opportunities makes them feel that they've not had to work hard, which obviously isn't the case. Um, so I think that people get defensive and um, shut down on these conversations in a way that they might not um, and would be pinched to be more open to talk about other points of identity. Um, that's sort of been my experience anyway. So I guess that's one of my big things is that the, the battle that you have with class and with, uh, with wealth in Cambridge is very much a personal one and one that you uh, can sometimes engage with a few people on who are from a similar background. But I don't know, there's a lack of uh, empathy and understanding, I think, with people who aren't from that same background often. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, like, the biggest shock was probably, like, I thought I was kind of well off before I came to uni. Like, I just thought, like, living in a council flat, because, like, most people my year lived in, like, the same estate as I did. Um, and, like, going on, like, a school trip to Germany, like, on a coach, I thought that was, that was money. I thought I had money. Um, and then when I came here and people had, like, holiday homes, I was like, this is not, this is not checking into, like, what I thought was money. Um, and I think, like, it definitely, I think, like, your class and, like, kind of how you like conversate and like your humor is like so kind of well tied. Like even in like the stuff that people like name drop. Um, I went to like an Emma politics society dinner and they were just name dropping these French politicians. And I was like, I don't know who they are. And like, it made me kind of internalize it a lot. And I was like, like, should I know who these people are? Like, am I meant to know what all of this is? Um, and I think even stuff like food as well. Like I, um, I went to this burger place and they were like, how do you want your burger? And I was like, well, cooked, you know? <laughs> so like even this whole like, like steak and stuff, like I think I had my first like, three course meal like at a formal here. Um, and like even stuff like steak as well, like all of that was just like a massive shock to me because I just didn't expect any of that. Um, and also like kind of like what you were touching up on in terms of like theatre and stuff. Like I'm pretty sure I would love theatre and like musicals and all that. I just didn't have the money to do that. Um, so I think, yeah, when you like, hear people like, name-dropping all the stuff, like dinner, these politicians, where they're going out like, kind of on holiday, um, yeah, that was, that was a shock to me. Um, I'm, sort of, I'm sort of thinking back on this now, and um, my, my experience may have been a little different, but it might just be because I'm quite thick-skinned. <laughs> um, I, I do remember uh, meeting people for want of a better phrase, sort of from the landed gentry. Um, and uh, because I'd grown up in Norfolk and my grandfather was a gamekeeper, I'd kind of already done that. Um, and I, I just kind of got on with them. We, we kind of joshed off each other a little bit. We'd occasionally, there would be, occasionally be a conversation, for example, um, Sean, I'm so excited. Mummy and Daddy have bought me a day's hunting for Christmas. Ah, you might bump into some of my friends. Oh, do they hunt? No. <laughs> they're, they're all saboteurs. <laughs> um, 
and you know, there was, when I got into rowing, there was kind of an occasional joke about getting a boat with space for a teepee. Um, that was a good one. Um, but as a rule, I just I, I, I kind of found the the kind of cultural expansion actually nice. I just sort of kind of threw myself at it. Yeah. Do you want to do a Nietzsche reading group? Hell yes, I'll do that. It sounds fun. Um, and on the whole, the uh, I experienced relatively little in terms of friction, as far as I can tell, because of my background. Um, there was the occasional comment about ripped jeans. <laughs> um, in my more recent experience, I recently had a famous ex-politician be incredibly rude to me at college dinner. That's probably the only real down point I can think of. Um, but, you know, like I said, I'm fairly thick-skinned, so maybe I just didn't notice uh, <laughs> that the, 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 the people were treating me or look, looking or badly or looking down on me. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I think the cultural expansion opportunities at Cambridge are really, really exciting. But I do also wonder, when you've come from that background where it's all very alien to you, how do you feel like you can get yourself involved in that? How do you get yourself placed in that? Instead of it being alienating, how do you kind of find a way to take on those new exciting opportunities? I just turned up. Nice, yeah. <laughs> and did it. Yeah, that works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that is the advice, right? Like, with these sorts of things, you do just have to live boldly a bit, right? Um, when I came in to Cambridge, my approach was very much like, yeah, I don't care what anybody, what anybody thinks. Uh, I've been reminded about how I acted on my first day in Cambridge a number of times. Uh, and um, it, was, it, was, it was largely intentional. Like, I was just like, I literally couldn't care like, what opinion you form of me, um, you city bourgeois brigade, right? Like, that was sort of a... My, my attitude. Um, I ran for JCR like very quickly. Mm. I was like, cool, I'm here, make the most of it. But um, I'm not going to pretend that that's something that everybody will have like the confidence to do. Like not everybody like, I don't know, lives their life with like so little shame about how they're perceived or whatever, right? Um, and not that people should be shamed for their background, but it's true that they are and that's something that we can't um, suggest otherwise. So um, I guess the, 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 the advice is to, to just have confidence in yourself and your ability to to thrive and achieve at the same level as everybody else in, in, in whatever it is you uh, choose to do, but also find comfort in uh, supporting other people from your background and try to go together or whatnot. But um, most people are pretty chill, right? Like, I, I think I have, a, I think it's a similar, similar situation where as much as I complain about this all the time, I think I probably met like two people who I think, oh. I remember one time, I, um, one of the few times I dared to go to Pret um, in like Lent term of a, uh, so first year where I convinced myself I was now a man of productivity. I wasn't. Um, and I was sat next to these people and they were talking about like where they're going to go on their year abroad or whatever. And they're like, oh, but I've already been to all of these places. Like I've got nowhere left to go. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Like that's when I thought I'd finally met the people I was born to hate, right? Um, <laughs> but actually, like, I don't know. I think the experience, those... If, if you told me, if you told, told six former Jez that I'd maybe have had five negative class-based experiences in Cambridge, I would have probably, I don't know, done something egregious. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, that, is, that has been my experience anyway. It's been mostly pretty welcoming and, uh, and pretty chill. Um, yeah, I think like one thing for me, I think like the first few weeks to take me like, a while to like, adjust. But then I like spoke to my mum about it because I was like, I don't know any of these people. And she was like, well, do they like know any like Somali singers or like Somali artists or anything? So I think when we talk about cultural capital, I think sometimes we focus so much on like fitting into like the middle class cultural capital. And it's like, I have cultural capital, you know, and like it doesn't let, like, you know, like fit into like the middle class culture capital or like kind of like the narrative but it doesn't mean that I don't have any so I think I definitely like stopped internalizing it um and I just kind of embraced it I was like yeah I don't know who this weird you know what steak tartar is or something but like you know like there are loads of things that other people don't know about like my ethnic background and stuff so I think like the discussion about cultural capital I think should probably be like reframed um because that would definitely help people like I guess stop internalizing it and thinking that there's like a problem with them it's just that other people just don't know about your background, I guess. So, yeah.
I mean, yeah, so let's talk about a bit more about cultural capital, embracing your own cultural capital. Um, there's a lot of stuff thrown at you, supervisions and all of that, where you, they, it feels sometimes, at least to me, like you're being moulded into a specific way of being into that kind of middle-class cultural body. How do you guys, or do you have any tips for people to kind of embrace the cultural capital that they feel they grew up with, whether that is kind of working class or something like that? You don't have any thoughts, that's okay. It was a very long-winded question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, what do you think you have held on to the most coming to Cambridge from when you were kind of sixth form and younger? I mean, I guess for me, probably like my like ethnic background. Um, I think that's why I guess like intersectionality should probably be talked about because it's not just like, kind of like seen in isolation, like my class, like my ethnic background. Um, and again, like, I guess it definitely took me like a while to accept like my kind of like, like who I was. Like, I was kind of getting called like whitewashed and stuff quite a lot. Um, but then I, I also think like surrounding yourself with people that are normal. Um, I think you can definitely choose like who you want to interact with. Um, and so, yeah, I think once I like made like a good kind of like friendship circle of people that, you know, are down to earth and stuff, um, I think that helped me. I, I think my experience has been kind of similar. Um, you know, if, you're, if you're from if you're from the middle of nowhere in Norfolk as a UK person, it's a bit like being American and coming from the middle of nowhere in Alabama. You know, uh, there's a certain kind of connotation that goes with being a Norfolk boy, uh, <laughs> and um, I've never really kind of lost that. I don't know what it is. Um, certainly, all my family are still there, and when I go home, it's nice to be among. People who are different. I don't. I don't. I can't ex really explain what the difference is. But Cambridge is a very unusual place. You 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 are interacting with very unusual people um, when you come here, and and that's not not in a bad sense. They, it's just that being an academic is an unusual kind of thing. It's sort of uber focused on things that really require your entire attention all the time. And that makes for a particular kind of character. So it is kind of nice to get back and um, walk through the fields for a couple of days. Um, so I've certainly held on to that. Um, yeah. <laughs> cool. That's totally fine. So um, let's also talk about being first generation. Because um, that's kind of a really scary idea, going to a university and thinking everybody has all these support work networks, they have these connections made, their family kind of knows what to do. What, how did you deal with that kind of being first generation and not having the same kind of networks that other people might have necessarily had? I, I'm probably not the best person to answer that again because, um, I, as I said, I didn't. I wasn't an undergraduate in Cambridge or Oxford or even in a Russell Group University. I, I, UEA was kind of pretty down to earth. Um, I kind of got eased into the Oxbridge thing because through all the time I was at UEA, my then girlfriend was at Oxford, so I kind of I did Oxford at the weekends and kind of learned about it that way. <laughs> so I had a kind of a gentle a gentle introduction. To what Oxford was all about, um, which seemed to work quite well. And then by the time I was applying for a PhD, I kind of knew what it was about. But I didn't know, when I was an undergraduate, I didn't know about the college system. I didn't know that there were these weird things called fellows that lived there. What the hell is that all about? I only lived about where that one is Oxford and started thinking, hmm, that looks like a good way to make a living. Um, so, yeah, by, by the time I actually ended up here, I kind of got some feel for it. Um, I mean, I, I guess for me, like, I think I was probably a bit naive because when I came to Cambridge, I thought it would be this whole, like, equaliser thing. Like, okay, like, now that I'm at Cambridge, like, we all have the same network of people. Um, I didn't actually think nepotism was a real thing. Um, I did not know people actually, like, got jobs through their parents. I thought we all applied on, like, Indeed or something. Um, that's not the case. Um, but I think I've definitely had, like, a mixed experience in terms of, like, my application and stuff because, like, my school basically gave me, like, no support. Like, I had, like, a 15-minute session, like, like an interview prep session before my real Cambridge interview, and it was, like, what do you like about Cambridge? And I was, like, Jane, this is not... Like, I'm not going to get asked this. And I didn't. Um, 
and also like my parents as well like kind of didn't really support me in that sense because like they just didn't even know what college was like they didn't really understand Cambridge both my parents were actually really hesitant of like sending me to Cambridge as well like they just thought that I would never fit in and stuff um which I think like I definitely understand their fears but I think it's a bit dangerous because you know like if you kind of keep saying oh like you shouldn't go here because you won't feel welcome then like no one would go to these places um so yeah like my school didn't really offer me much support and like I had a few classmates and like their parents would like do tours and like take them to every single like uni and stuff and like my parents didn't really do that but then on the other side like I was really involved in terms of like youth parliament and stuff and like the Sutton Trust and I was doing loads of like social mobility charity you know like you know that kind of stuff so I definitely did have a better understanding of like universities than like people in my year so like when it came to like personal statement support because my school was so bad, I had like the Sutton Trust to like rely on. Um, so I think those groups are pretty good. They have bursaries as well. So yeah, I think they definitely kind of eased me in, in terms of like applying to Cambridge. Um, and also like, I think what I really do like respect, I guess, is like a few colleges had good like outreach. I think that's something that probably needs to be talked about more. Like colleges should really be pushing out their outreach and also like paying for stuff. Like I think if you want working class students to be coming to Cambridge, you better be paying for them. Um, and like, you know, like making sure that their like travel was like paid for, accommodation is paid for. So I had um, like this residential down in college um, and they paid for my like entire like stay there and stuff. And like that actually made me want to apply to Downing. Did I get in to Downing? No, but you know, I still applied there. Um, so yeah, I think definitely having more of those like initiatives and schemes was definitely helpful. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess um, for me as well, um, I'm very lucky in the sense that uh, although I think, you know, this, neither my high school or sixth form were particularly fantastic schools, um, very much like, you know, issues with being under-resourced um, and whatnot, um, I'm very lucky in the sense that I've had a lot of, like, a lot of teachers in my life who have been probably too... Um, too involved with my uh, education and trying to make sure that I was successful and not like, I don't know, doing things that I shouldn't be. Um, and I've, I've never really left any, even my high school or almost sick from I work at my high school now. So like the relationship that I have with, with um, my, my co-workers, co-workers now, um, is very much still like a, a te- like always like a teacher-student thing. I still feel like you know, uh, Mr. Wallace, my favourite teacher at high school, goes to the pub with him now, but he's still kind of my teacher at the same time. So I've had a lot of people from my, my school background who have been involved. Um, and if, if that's not the case for you, one of the big things for me uh, is uh, when I came to Cambridge, most of my Cambridge-related questions, I just spoke to my college family about it. Um, yeah, so my college dad, you know, good friends. Um, and pretty much like, I don't know, very, very lucky that he knew, knew everything there is to know about Cambridge. So if I had any questions about work or about like what, what's going on with some weird Cambridge enigma or whatever, I'd just ask him and he'd give me the answer. So I think the main thing is you're, if you're feeling like you don't have support at home, there's plenty of support about. Um, you've got to like find the right people that you're comfortable talking to or whatnot. Um, and if not, failing that, so much information online if you look for it. Uh, college websites are getting better at being accessible. So... Um, I think you can find that support in different ways if you, if you look for it. Cool, so we'll do one more question and then we'll open up to the audience. Uh, so just a really, really quick one. Are you guys glad that you came to Cambridge? Nice and simple. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> I think about this sometimes I'm like, oh, and I have to do work or like, oh, how can't, why can't I go to the pub every day? Um, why do my friends want to go to the library? Um, you know, many of my friends you know, will know this pain of having to listen to me say this every day. Um, but I think you get so much out of it, right? Like, um, talk, you mentioned nepotism and stuff, but like the Cambridge nepotism is crazy. Like the Cambridge brand is ridiculous. Like I went and did like a little work experience thing um, in London and there were four people in the office of about 10 people that all went to my Cambridge college. Because I was, I was like, oh, they were like, where did you go? And I was like, Jesus. And I, was like, I went to go to Jesus. I went to Jesus. I was like, what? I was like, what's going on? Like, why did you all go? There's like 60 colleges across the t- Oxford and Cambridge. Why did you all go to Jesus, right? Um, and I've got a lot of opportunities just from having been here. But also, I think as much as this, there's much, to, uh, there's much to, to dream for with the social life, I think that it is still much better in many ways, in many ways that are suitable to me anyway, that, um, than a lot of places. So, you know, 100% very glad of it. Um, yeah, I'm very glad that I'm here. Um, I think also in terms of like financial support as well, like getting like the bursary 
shout out to the bursary it's amazing <laughs> so like I think like having that is really good because I know like a lot of my other friends that are like, like different unis like, they just can't afford to eat or like have their rent like you know so I think like having that like financial support at Cambridge is really nice um, I think we also are treated pretty nicely as well like having you know all this extra stuff that you get um it's pretty good and again like just like with the whole like career stuff like I've gone into so many like work experience stuff and like I'll mention Cambridge and they're like oh wow like you know so like you know I do love a bit of the attention that comes with like the Cambridge brand um and so yeah I think it definitely like does open a lot of doors and I'm grateful for that so yeah yeah Cambridge completely changed my life <laughs> um it- Massively expanded my horizons and opened up all sorts of stuff to me that wouldn't otherwise have been experienced. Um, and just maybe to link back to what was said a moment ago about um, about doing outreach, um, I generally run admissions for computer science in Trinity and um, I speak to a lot of potential applicants. So it's kind of part of what I have to do. And I'm constantly saying to them, just apply, all right? Just do it. You, you must, because the, it's a brilliant place. You know, you may get in, you may not. You definitely won't get in if you don't apply. So just just do it, all right? Don't listen to the absolute nonsense that people tell you about the place, because no one cares if you understand cricket or not, all right? You know, you, you, you still get this, this, this media and sort of, um, sort of folklore kind of things about the Cambridge and its admissions process and what it's like, which are just infuriatingly untrue and we have to spend quite a lot of time in uh, in dispelling those but um you know my my, my experience of the place was was that it, it completely changed my life for the better amazing thank you so much oh go ahead. Got a point. um i think also in terms of like community building and stuff i think that's been quite helpful like for me like coming from like a somali background like a lot of people kind of, like, don't go to university and stuff, like, in my state. Like, when they found out that I was going to Cambridge, like, there was a lot of love, which was, like, really nice. And, like, I think quite a lot of people back, like, you know, like, back, like, where I live are, like, really proud. And, like, when I, like, go and tutor and stuff and, like, go back to my school, like, it is really refreshing seeing all the people that, like, do, like, look up to me. Um, So I think, like, being at Cambridge has definitely, like, you know, like, helped, like, build that up again. Um, So, yeah, that's been nice. Hey, thank you very much. Um, We'll now open up to audience questions. We've got just over 20 minutes uh, so if anybody has any questions for our panelists feel free Ooh. oh hello person in the back there Wait, so just to clarify, like, my experience about being, like, black. Okay, <laughs> nice. Um, I guess, like, my experience of being black, I think, like, a lot of it, I think, like, before I was applying to Cambridge, like, I'd get a lot of, like, oh, like, you're, like, you're whitewashed and, like, stuff like that, and, like, kind of having to, like, fit, like, some, like, some kind of, like, you know, like, some expectation. So I think, like, that was a bit, like, annoying, like, just because I sound a certain way, you know, or do certain things, like, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm like a different race or something so I think that was um yeah um but I guess in terms of like my racial identity I think it definitely was a bit hard adjusting to like where I came from like where I lived like having loads of Somali people in my state to not having that many um people of color like around me um but I think like it's definitely helped like I kind of like surrounding myself with people that are like people of color um that's been that's been pretty nice yeah yeah, cool. Anybody else? Various questions about being class act, experiences, any worries you might have? Yes, hello. Yeah, hi, I'm Dunstead, and this is the part of my um, Regarding the culture capital, could you just expand on it, like what you discussed earlier? Um, I guess, like, I think... What, like the hardest thing I found about like cultural capital was definitely like trying to like fit into conversation um kind of like even stuff like schools like, I remember like on the fr- like the freshers 
um, like London event, like like first thing people asked me was like, what prep school did I go to and what school did I go to? And that is such like, that's just like a way to like identify basically like your class. Um, and so like, I think that was one, even stuff like holidays, like ski, like ski, I remember like I came out of my lecture, like my, well, the one lecture I went to last year um, and everyone was talking about like the ski resort, Val, whatever. Um, and like they were all just like relating about it. I'm like, I don't know what this is. This is not this is not relatable. Um, so yeah, I think I definitely struggled, I guess, like at the start in terms of like fitting into conversation. But then I also think I internalized that as well quite a lot. I thought like I was the problem and that like, oh, I should probably just like research and, you know, learn more about the arts and books and, you know, watch more cricket, I guess. Um but yeah, I think like after a while when I just kind of accepted like who I was and I was like, I actually do know quite a bit. Um, yeah. Um, do either of you guys have anything to say about cultural capital? It's okay if not, <laughs> just checking. Yeah, yeah I think um, there's sort of two things I'd pick up here. I think the thing with cultural capital mainly is that like, I don't know, it's this weird, there's this weird like cultural capital agenda in the UK at the moment where like, so because I, I work at a school and you um you're seeing a lot of the, like, the PowerPoints. It'll be like, we must do more to like, improve cultural capital. And it is very much, it is very much like, let's reinforce, and it, it's nobody's fault, but it's just a sort of misunderstanding, I think, about how cultural capital works. It's like, let's reinforce these historically entrenched uh, you know, notions of, of what is good and what is bad. And um, I think Fatima was right about like, quickly you realise, I mean, for a while, potentially you, have, you, you go through these moments of like, uh, being conflicted that you didn't know about this thing that everybody knew about or whatnot. But quickly you come to realise that actually this is all, very little of this is important. Um, and sometimes it can feel important to like be comfortable or assimilate, but like you don't need to assimilate. If you don't know, you don't know. Um, be confident in what you do know. Um, the second thing I would say about cultural capital is related, but not entirely the same. It's about like language, and we spoke about this before, before the, uh, the panel. Language and the way that you present yourself, like I guess mostly through speaking, um, the big thing for me is I think people don't realise the extent to which, like, code switching is a huge thing in Cambridge. Um, and I've had a few arguments about this. Um, but, like, coming into Cambridge, you sort of are immersed in, like, almost one version of English at all of the, all of the time. Obviously, there's people who, whose first language is in English, there's international students, there are people from different areas of the country. So, of course, there is differentiation. But... There's this weird Cambridge English, which is like pretty neutral, pretty posh, pretty like, I don't know, um, pretty like, like just tame in many ways. Um, and you, you without, even, without even intending to do so, you naturally pick this up. So when I go, I remember I went home after first term and I was arguing with my mum in the kitchen. And my mum's friend was like, God, you are so posh. I was like, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not posh. This is just like, this is just how I've ended up speaking uh, after like, eight weeks in, you know, in Wonderland, supposedly. Um, and then, but then I come here and it's like, oh, he's had, he's had too many drinks. And now suddenly he's talking like, you know, and I just, all I'm doing is talking how I talk all the time at home. Um, and we spoke about this before, where I was saying like, I don't know, I think increasingly this, this like big joke about like the top boy effect or whatever, right? Um, if, you, if you say like brev or, or, or any of these words, yeah, like things that are very much normal, everyday, everyday language at home, uh, you're just suddenly meant to be this like, you're trying to act hard, you're trying to be a road man, you're trying to be something you're not. It's like, actually, no, this is just how most people talk at home. Uh, this is just very normal. But like in Cambridge, it stands up so aggressively that people feel the need to be like, why are you talking like that? Like, although even be like, you don't talk like that. I'm like, no, you've known me for like one year. I've known me forever. Right, like I know how I talk, bro. Don't tell me how I talk. So I think that's a related thing, and, and it can it can feed into cultural capital because people make judgments about worth and, and validity based on the way that you speak and present yourself. And I know that you mentioned an instance where you were told you were intelligent, but you can, you know, well, you weren't communicating that enough because you weren't speaking in a particular way, or it was somebody beforehand. Um, and I think that's true too. Like you can be judged, like in your intelligence based on the way you communicate something, because people are too busy worrying about your intonation or like the words you chose to use rather than like the, the meaning of what you're saying, so. Yeah, no, when I came to Cambridge, I found it really weird how people felt very justified in like mocking how I talked yeah. just because I had a bit more of like a, a working class like slang and stuff like that. It was very strange. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll just uh, raise a word of warning again from something we were discussing beforehand. I don't know how many of you are freshers, 
But be warned right now, you're going to go home at the end of term with a Cambridge accent and your family won't recognise you, <laughs> okay? And you'll probably find that um, you'll, you'll be speaking in a Cambridge accent and then you'll, over the, over the vacation, you'll gradually walk back to your own regional accent and then you'll come back here and you'll go back to Cambridge again. And after the end of the first year, you'll probably go home and you'll be changing accent mid-sentence, depending on what you're talking about. And your families are going to find it really odd. This is like back to Barkas's question about like being black and stuff. Um, I think that definitely I kind of felt the whole pressure of like black excellence and stuff. And like the second like, any person that is black gets into Cambridge, like their comments are just flooded with like, oh, black excellence. And it's like, obviously, like, yeah, like, well done. Um, but I kind of think that, that that makes people feel like they have to like kind of like fulfill this 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 role. And it's like why can't we just like, exist and just be normal just, like people at Cambridge? Because I, I guess it might like other people. Um, but yeah. No, that, those are all really incredible things to say. Thank you very much. Um, any other questions? Yes, hello. Hi. Um, I think for me, one thing that I found quite hard was like learning how to talk to like senior, older people. Um, and that's something that like my friend that went to private school, he was saying that like, you know, like you're taught from like, you know, like a young age, like how to talk to like, older people. And like, I just didn't find, cause like, I'm very confident. I can talk to a lot of people and I can talk a lot, but when it came to like supervisions and talking to like people that are, well, like professors, I like struggled with that a lot just because it was like the first time I'd ever kind of had that opportunity. Um, and also like class sizes as well. Like I went from like class sizes, like I had some um, science lessons with like 40, 50 people to being supervisions like one to like, you know, like one to one, like two to one. Um, so I think that definitely like scared me a little bit. But then I just was like, you know what, they're all normal people and I'm here for a reason. I might as well just, you know, enjoy it, I guess. So um, yeah, I think I definitely got over that um, after a few weeks of being here. Yeah, I think for me, I, I guess I sort of came in, I had a pretty like peer-to-peer -peer relationship with a lot of my like teachers at sixth form. It was very chill, like first name basis and all of that. Um, so I wasn't like, it wasn't sort of as big of a jump from like high school as, if I had continued in sort of the high school way of teaching, it might have been a bigger jump. But I definitely recall like when I first came, trying to be very set, like careful about why I said in supervisions, not really like, not swearing, not like, I don't know, using too much slang. Um, but eventually I just realized, I was like, it doesn't matter what I say, they're gonna have to sit here and talk to me for an hour anyway. Like, I'm just gonna say how I want. And I remember at Supo, I had, uh, I think it was at the beginning of Easter term of first year, and my, me and my, my mate Joby, who left Supo, and he was like, Jez, you do realize you just swore at, and like, just basically just chatting nonsense at your supervisor for an hour, like you would to your mates. I was like, brilliant. Um, but I, I think that like, they're there, they're educators at the end of the day. Like, um, if they for some reason decide that like, you know, um, they think you're an idiot because you speak weirdly, then that's on them. They still have to supervise you, right? Um, you know, you're still gonna get the same education. Um, but I think the other thing is like having confidence in approaching academics. So like I had my, uh, so, I'm, so I'm meant to be doing a, a dissertation um, and uh, getting my supervisor, I was like, who am I as a lowly HSPS student? to be like emailing these like giants of academia, like, please supervise me, I beg. Um, and that can be quite intimidating because of like the, the sort of the place on the hierarchy that you are perceived to be in Cambridge or whatever. Um, but I, I just think that you've got to back yourself 100% all the time, right? Um, and at the end of the day, they are, I think most academics are in it, f you know, at least for some good, right? They do care genuinely about your success. So just back yourself, have confidence and you'll be fine. Just to add to that, um, I think like for me as well, I definitely compared myself to other people and like my supervision groups. And like, I would like look at their work and I'd be like, this is not how I write. Like we are writing completely differently. Um, and like, yeah, like that really used to scare me because I've just kind of thought that I was like not as good as them. Um, but then kind of after I learned that, you know, like they've been taught for so many years to like talk a certain way and write a certain way. And that, you know, I'm obviously here for a reason. And I guess I can write an essay. Um, yeah, I think once I got over that fear, it was okay. 
but I definitely like was comparing myself to a lot of people in my groups. Uh, yeah. And I mean, Sean, I, we could redirect this conversation this from the other side. <laughs> yeah. How is it as a director of studies, as a supervisor? Um, interacting with other academics or interacting with the people that I Both, teach? I could say. Well, I mean, interacting with other academics, I, we, we tend to be quite a flat hierarchy bunch. I mean, okay, there is a hierarchy of kind of um, job description and, and level and pay and what have you, but... My experience in all the time I've been an academic has been that we don't really kind of respect that. It's just a sort of collaborative thing and we have our arguments and then it's, it's fine. And I mean, I can only speak for myself in how I interact with typically my, my directees um, and I'm generally quite informal. I mean, <laughs> I usually start with freshers by saying call me Sean um if I ever tell you to call me Dr Holden you will be really in the shit okay you will know you're in trouble if I make you call me Dr Holden um which, which is actually true you know because if it, if it gets to some kind of formal dean's thing then sure um and I don't really mind people swearing I mean I swear all the time in supervisions I swear at people in lectures if they don't shut up um, so, <laughs> and some of them just sit there yapping and get, get a mouthful. Um, but you know, we're all grown ups. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, I don't know how typical I am as a supervisor because I don't watch other people's supervisions. Um, and my approach really is, okay, you have me for an hour, make use of me. Um, and, uh, and I'll do what I can to get you unstuck where, where, wherever you're stuck. Um, that's just sort of what I do for a living. So I mean, it's yeah, just, it's I mean, just at least from my it? supervisions, that doesn't seem fairly untypical. I was really scared because I like supervisors supposedly like really high up academics. They're all published and they've all got books and stuff like that. Yeah. And then you go to these supervisions and they're like, I just want to help you. If you need to swear, swear. If you need yeah. to get annoyed at a certain writer, get annoyed. Yeah, yeah. it's not untypical. Yeah. I mean, the, the fact is they are generally quite accomplished, but we're also, I think, on the whole, mostly nice people. <laughs> At least I'll try. <laughs> okay, um, we've, I think we've got time for two more questions. So if anybody has a question, uh, in the green top. Um, this is mainly for Dr. Fischelman. Um, I was just going to ask, obviously, your action and it has a certain reputation that might I'm not sure how you shift a reputation. Um, I don't know how, what we could do to shift a, a reputation that, that's that heavily ingrained. Um, the, the college itself does massive amounts of outreach. Um, I mean, it really, really goes out of the way to just tell people, look, apply and come here. Um, I, I don't know any of my colleagues in Trinity who give a, the tiniest iota of a damn what your background is. We just want to get really good people in, okay? That's, that's what we want to do, Wherever, whatever the background is, okay? We, it's... I, I, I'm doing admissions, I don't care where people are from or any sort of irrelevant characteristic. I just try and get it out of my head. I th I th whenever I hear the term unconscious bias, okay, this is a bad thing, but I, I try to think in terms of conscious unbias. Okay, you have to actually be thinking about it. Um, just t take people for the content of the character. Uh, and I, th I actually think that my colleagues in Trinity on the whole are of the same mindset, okay? So it's not perfect. And there are, there are difficulties because Cambridge's requirements for undergraduates are really high. Now that, it's not a problem. It's not a problem that we, that we have really high standards because these are really hard degree programs. And I have taught at other universities, so I know there is a difference. Okay, I was seven years at University College London as a lecturer, so I've seen the difference in the difficulty of the degree programs. Um, and obviously, when if something like science subjects, where it is actually advantageous in many cases to have further mathematics, obviously, if you're one of the many schools where they can't teach further mathematics, well, that's a problem. What I would actually like to see to make um, 
make this situation better in terms of getting more people from working class backgrounds in would actually be for some government to come and sort out the secondary school system and pay maths teachers properly. Because very few people, unless they have an incredible sense of vocation, who are actually qualified to teach mathematics, um, I think would, would make the decision of becoming a mathematics teacher. It doesn't seem to be a profession where you are treated with respect or properly paid. And certainly someone who comes out of this university with a degree in mathematics can go and work for hundreds of thousands a year in a hedge fund and just isn't going to consider being a maths teacher. And just in, from the perspective of the scientists, the scientists just improving maths teaching throughout the secondary system would probably do a lot to level the playing field. <laughs> But at the minute, we have that kind of systemic inbuilt problem that uh, schools that can teach further maths and schools with good maths teachers are going to be producing um, applicants who are better set up at that, that hurdle to get through the admissions tests. Okay, so I think that's, that's what I'd like to see. But in terms of, going back to the original question, in terms of um, Trinity's kind of representation, yes, yes, it's got loads of money, it's beautiful, it's got all the history, it's got Isaac Newton, it's got the tree, and all this kind of stuff. But I think the people who are actually there um, see beyond that, you know. We, we just want to get good people in. Uh, yeah, I'll pass on. Um, I think, like, kind of adding on to that, in terms of, like, the systemic problems, like, of Cambridge, I think there are, like, I guess, like, two things. I guess, like, firstly, like, you have, like, the college disparity. Like, so Trinity, um, like, I've got a few friends there that get the Trinity bursary. Um, very lucky. And I think that's doing, like, really good things in terms of, like, getting more working-class people to apply. Like, if they know that their rent's getting covered, that's amazing. But then also you have working-class people like me, you know, so I go to Lucy Cavendish that prides itself on, like, taking in loads of state school kids. But then when they can't afford to pay their rent, there's no support there at all. Um... And, you know, like, as much as I get angry at Lucy, it is, like, a kind of, like, a wider Cambridge problem. Like, the fact that, kind of, you have, like, these big colleges that kind of hoard all this money. Um, and, yeah, it is good that they're helping their students. But, again, that's still quite, like, exclusive. And um, I guess, like, the second thing is, like, the inequality in Cambridge, like, in itself. Like, you know, like, if you look at, like, homelessness in Cambridge... Um, I think, like, in 2020, Cambridge was, I think, the poorest city in the country. Like, that's embarrassing, um, and then you just have, like, all the money that Trinity and John's and Cambridge, like, has. Um, I think there was a stat, like, Oxbridge colleges to put together could pay for every single home an international student. Like, we could put that money to, you know, like, at, like actually helping people in this community. Um, and I think, like, charities and stuff, like, short term, it's good for, like, helping people. But we've got the money and we're just kind of not using it, I guess, well, I think. Yeah, I was sort of um, going to just add to the point about like how much Cambridge should be doing versus how much like you know we should be doing as like a, as a society and as like a community, right? Um, I think there's, there's always I'm always going to keep complaining that Cambridge and from inside the house I'm always going to keep you know trying to, to trying to, to improve it, but um, I think we 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 don't want to feed too much into this horrible media debate that always goes on that like Oxford and Cambridge aren't doing enough or, or whatnot. Because it's just, it's just like it's like it's just cope, right? Like it's just like, like true. It is true, absolutely true that Oxford and Cambridge can do far, far, far more. Um, but we get caught up in this this horrible debate, and it's like they're making it too easy now. And it's like our best and brightest private school kids are flying off to the Ivy Leagues or whatever, and, and all this fear mongering around it. But absolutely, like the issue is about that. Is the issue is that the school sector is massively under resourced, right? Um, and I was reading an article the other day by like a social mobility professor, and he was saying like. Just in, just in our terminology, right, the fact that we refer to, to people as disadvantaged as if it's almost, you know, like, not their fault, but, like, where are we placing the burden, right? And really, we should be, we should be referring to people all the time as under-resourced. Like this is untapped potential, right? Um, one of the big things about access, and this is why I brought it up, is I recently worked a residential at my college, Jesus, which is uh, pretty, known as being pretty good for, in terms of access, but it's still uh, an old college. It's still, with the, like, the fourth richest, still very prestigious, right? Uh, but, like... 
one of the big issues speaking to the, the access team is that they go to schools and the schools can't bring the school, they can't bring the kids because they ain't got any money, right? Like, like even though, like, even though the school might provide free accord, no, the, the college might provide free accord meals, might help with transport or whatever, the school's still got to find a cover teacher. They've still got to, like, they've still got to disrupt their curriculum. And when, when every, and a lot of these schools, uh, where a lot of these kids came into the school so far behind the national curve, every hour matters in getting that, um, getting that student to pass just to get over that bump, right? So I think we have to be talking more about what we're not doing nationally and not what Cambridge and Oxford aren't doing sort of on a very small scale. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you so much for your questions. They were so good that we've now hit the end of our time. Um, I'm very sorry that we can't answer all of them. Uh, what we'll do to just finish off, if we can just do one sentence and we'll keep it one sentence, um, a bit of advice for being class act at Cambridge. Um, I think definitely like embrace it. Um, I think like confidence will like kind of take a while to like eventually like build up and stuff. I know you said one sentence, um, but yeah, I think like being around people that are like, norm like normal and like, you know, just so you're not like thrown off by stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah, similarly, I think all of us have said something to this effect about sort of giving, getting over the confidence barrier. There's lots of things you can do here that you probably couldn't have done um, before you came here, and there may be some kind of uh, trepidation, uh, you know, coming from that you're coming from whatever background it is you come from. I, am I? Do I fit into this? Is this? Is this for me? Forget that. Just do it. All right, <laughs> you, you want to do something that, that doesn't fit with your, your background, screw it, just do it, just try it. And, and you know, it's, that's what it's there for. I'd say, I know, I, know, I know it takes sort of, it might take some bravery and a, and a bit of sort of boosting of your confidence, but the fact is, if you want to do it, just do. Um, and uh, and you'll, you'll, you'll thank yourself in six months' time. <laughs> Yeah, just quite simply, I'd say, uh, like, live boldly and, um, you know, don't be ashamed to, to be yourself um, at whatever cost that might be to, to, to your life in Cambridge. I think it would only ever be for the best, but if you feel like you're sacrificing something and doing that, then maybe that thing is worth being sacrificed. Thank you so much, you guys, for coming and doing this. Thank you so much, everybody, for coming. I hope you have a lovely evening and come to more union stuff.